And welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Lots to discuss on today's show, including the Islanders' important 5-3 win over the Philadelphia Flyers last night. Back-to-back wins against division rivals on back-to-back nights. A very important 24 hours, really, for the New York Islanders, and they have to be happy with their overall results. Not, you know, a perfect game by any means, a fast start, a strong finish with a little bit of uh, sloppiness in between, but anytime the Islanders uh, beat the Flyers and pick up two points in regulation, that is a very, very good thing, and you know how tight the standings are. Islanders about to head out on a four-game road trip. We'll break down the win over Philadelphia Plus, we have our weekly farm report and this date in Islanders history all to come on today's show. Don't forget, if you want to join the show, have a question, a comment, a topic you'd like us to discuss, please shoot us an email. The email address, as always, LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. Just leave your name and where you're from, and we'll be happy to mention you on the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Isles, and you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at Ice Wars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I, and we'll keep you up to date on all things New York Islanders. All right, Islanders, Flyers at the Barkley Center last night in Brooklyn. Brian Elliott is the goalie for the Flyers. Uh, Simeon Varlamov, the goaltender for the Islanders and a good start to this game overall, except, you know, the Islanders playing well, but early on in the game, they lose Casey Sezikis just 323 into this game. He was hit in the corner, uh, had trouble getting off the ice, couldn't put any pressure on one of his legs, had to be assisted by some teammates to get him to the locker room. No word post-game as to Sezikis' status, but obviously losing Casey Sezikis would be very, very bad for the Islanders. Number one, they're already without Cal Clutterbuck, and Clutter is still a ways away from returning to the lineup. And two, Sezikis is the most productive offensive player on that fourth line. He's a leader in the locker room. He kills penalties. He's an agitator. He's a physical player. And, uh, you know, he puts in the odd goals. So losing Casey Sezikis a big blow, but 
hopefully the injury not going to be too uh too serious uh it's tough to determine exactly what it was islanders break out on top at the 7:45 mark of the period josh bailey his 12th from matthew barzal and a nice little shot that bailey redirects gets it past uh Elliott, and it's a one-to-nothing game. Huge goal right there, and the Islanders had the momentum. They were off and running. They add to the lead three and a half minutes later as Leo Komarov sets up Matt Martin. Martin, with a give-and-go on that play, beats Elliott, and it's two-to-nothing Islanders. Matt Martin's fifth from Komarov and Derek Brassard. Then, at the 15:36 mark, the Islanders get another goal. Eberly, his 10th from Barzal and Anders Lee. And, you know, this is this was a great goal because the Islanders were crashing the net. They were playing aggressively. They were going to the goal. They were getting rebounds. They were getting into those dirty areas. This is the kind of hockey that Barry Trotz wants his team to play and they were doing exactly that in the first period. And, you know, they got goals from different players. And this is good. Three different lines uh, getting things going. At the end of the first period, Islanders actually outshot 10-9. But Varlamov playing very well. And the Islanders had better quality chances because of the way they were playing. Getting those rebounds, you know, paying the price to get down low and redirect shots, get rebounds, get tips, screen the goaltender, all of that working in the Islanders' favor. And look, three goals on nine shots, you take that any way you can. In the second period, however, it was all Philadelphia. And Varlamov came up big a number of different times to keep the Islanders ahead. First of all, he makes a, a very nice save on Philippe Myers. Then stops Couturier uh, from down low inside the, you know, the slot area. And again, the Islanders clinging to that 2-0 lead. But midway through the period, from the left circle, Travis Konecki uh, gets his 19th from James Van Riemsdyk and Scott Lawton. And it's a 3-1 to one hockey game. Then, a little more than two minutes later, Robert Hag, his second on a rebound. Good first save by Varlamov, but the rebound comes right to Hag. Claude Giroux and Lawton with the helpers. And it's a 3-2 to two hockey game. All of a sudden, that 3-0 lead, that comfortable lead, was gone. And the Islanders just not able to play the kind of hockey that they wanted to, uh, gave up 14 shots in that second period while taking nine, but just overall not winning those one-on-one battles, not getting the job done, not playing Islanders hockey, kind of standing still and allowing the Flyers to dictate play, weren't sharp in their own zone. It was the kind of period that they were fortunate to only give up two goals uh, when all was said and done. 
So after 40 minutes overall, Islanders being outshot 24 to 18, but leading still by a 3-2 margin. We'll come back, discuss the third period, plus again, this date in Islanders history and our weekly farm report, plus we'll talk a little bit about the benching of Kiefer Bellows in uh, Monday's game. So lots more to come right here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, in the third period, Islanders had the first good scoring chance, but Derek Brassard, he had a partial break, but Elliott makes a pad save, and it's still a 3-2 game. Then the Islanders get into a little bit of penalty trouble, and this was uh, kind of frustrating. They take back-to-back penalties. First, Brock Nelson off for holding at 9:26. He held Sean Couturier. Islanders managed to kill that one off, but and, you know, they had some scoring opportunities, the Flyers, but Varlamov, again, comes up big. And then right after that power plays over, Matthew Barzal hooks James Van Riemsdyk, and at 12-16, the Flyers back on the uh, power play. Islanders having to kill back-to-back penalties without Casey Sezikis, arguably their best penalty killer, and they get the job done. So bad that they took back-to-back penalties, not smart penalties, but good that the Islanders able to kill it off despite not having Casey Sezikis. But the Flyers keep the pressure on, and with a minute 32 left in regulation time, Couturier ties it his 16th of the year from Claude Giroux and Ivan Provorov, and all of a sudden, that 3 nothing lead that seemed so comfortable after 20 minutes, gone, and overtime, staring the Islanders in the face. But this team, we've said it time and time again, they are resilient, and that's exactly what they were here. The Islanders get the lead back on a slap shot by Ryan Pulak that beats Elliott with 38.9 seconds left, Pulak's seventh of the year from Barzal and Eberle, officially at 19-19, and the Islanders had a 4-3 lead, Flyers pull the goalie, and Komarov gets the empty net goal with an assist from Josh Bailey at 19:56, and the Islanders skate away with a huge 5-3 win, 35 saves for Simeon Varlamov. He got the job done by far. The big points in this game, Matthew Barzal, three assists, a plus two. Multiple point games, Josh Bailey, Jordan Eberle, Leo Kamarov, all of them a goal and an assist in this game. Lee and Eberle also plus twos as was Ryan Pulak. Devon Tays did not score, but was a plus three for the Islanders. As far as shots on goal, they were spread out. Every forward, except for Sezikis, who only played 53 seconds, uh, had at least one shot on goal. Barzal and Eberly and Kiefer Bellows each had three shots on goal to lead the team. As far as hits, three hits for Matt Martin, that paced the Islanders, and block shots, well, a number of Islanders with two, tying them for the lead, 
Nick Letty on ice the most for the Islanders with 21.58. Matthew Barzal tops among forwards with 20 minutes and 25 seconds. Barzy struggling in the faceoff circle, winning just one out of seven. Derek Broussard winning seven out of 11 for the Islanders. He was the best man in the faceoff circle. Varlamov by far uh, keeping the team in this game when they got sloppy after that dominating first period. But you look at the Islanders' goals, and four of the five goals coming from in between the circles and in the and, and down lower. Only the game winner by Pulak taken from the right point. So the Islanders getting the quality of shots, even if they're not getting the quantity. The scratches: Aho, Ross Johnston, Tom Cunackle sitting this one out for the Islanders. But a big. 5-3 to three win, and that is something this team so desperately needed. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit, and I mentioned it on Twitter uh, during the game. wanted to talk a little bit about the fact that Kiefer Bellows did not play on uh, Monday night in the game in Washington. And I don't think it was a big deal. Yeah, he had three points in three games, had the two-goal game. But the fact of the matter is, you're on the road. You're playing the first night of a back-to-back, and you're sending a message, really. And again, Trotz is really good at sending these messages. But you send a message to Kiefer Bellows. Hey, we see what you're capable of. We know that you scored these goals, and that's a great thing, and you have three points in three games. But you know what? At the NHL level, you need to do more. And if you want to stay in this lineup and play every day, I need you to be consistent, and I need you to play strong in all three zones. And I think at the end of the day, you know, that's a message that Kiefer Bellows got loud and clear. He's back in the lineup last night, ends up playing 11 minutes, 28 seconds, blocked two shots, which is great, registered one hit and three shots on goal. Overall, You know, Bellows responded to the benching, came out, did what he had to do, played a solid all-around game, even if he didn't figure in the scoring, and I think the message was sent that this is what's needed if you want to play every day in the NHL at this point in your career. I don't think it was a bad thing for them to sit him out for one game, give him a breather. Look, you got five games in eight days during this stretch You certainly wanted Ross Johnston in the lineup against Tom Wilson and the more physical aspects of the Washington Capitals. I think the move made a lot of sense. It sent a message, and that message seems to have been received. So don't don't come down hard on Barry Trotz and the Islanders brass for making that decision. I don't think it was necessarily a bad one. Let the kid learn. Let the kid understand. And I'll say this as well. There are things that a rookie like Kiefer Bellows can learn just by watching an NHL game once in a while from the press box. It gives him a different perspective. It allows him to see how quickly the plays develop and and what happens over the course of the uh, over the course of the hockey game. So overall, a good decision, uh, or at least not a bad decision, and I think. It was effective when push came to shove. 
right, we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we'll do this Dayton Islanders history plus our weekly farm report. Lots more to talk about here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Okay, we are back on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Time for this date in Islanders history. We take you back to February 12th. 2002 at the first Union Center in Philadelphia, Islanders, Flyers in a big divisional matchup, and this game was a tough one. The goaltenders in this one, Garth Snow for the New York Islanders, Roman Chechmonic in between the pipes for the Philadelphia Flyers. You got to remember 2002, the height, perhaps, of the dead puck era in the National Hockey League, and throughout this game that went into overtime, the Philadelphia Flyers had 25 shots on goal, the New York Islanders 18 shots on goal, and not a lot of quality scoring chances in this one. At the end of the day, amazingly enough, the Islanders and Flyers scoreless after three periods in a game that was at times quite physical, Keith Primo called for a, a double high-sticking minor, for example, late in the third period. But at the end of the day, in overtime, Garth Snow called for delay of game as he shoots the puck over the glass. And the Islanders are shorthanded. And with less than 10 seconds left on the clock, Michael Pekka, a shorthanded, unassisted goal, his 16th of the year, gives the Islanders a one to nothing victory over the Philadelphia Flyers. Roman Hammerlick led all Islanders players with four shots on goal. Meanwhile, Garth Snow, 25 saves to earn the shutout as the Islanders down the Flyers one to nothing on this date in Islanders history, February 12th. 2002. All right, time for the weekly farm report as we talk all things Bridgeport Sound Tigers, the Islanders' AHL affiliate. They had a home-and-home series this past weekend with the Providence Bruins, and first game was in Bridgeport Saturday night, February 8th, and the Islanders got an outstanding performance by Christopher Gibson he made 44 saves in this game as the Sound Tigers skated to a 4-2 win over the Providence Bruins. Colin McDonald, Mason Jobst, uh, and Robert Carpenter, each with a goal and an assist. Meanwhile, Simon Holmstrom with his first professional game-winning goal, and that was enough for the Sound Tigers to get the victory. Then, Sunday afternoon, a 3.05 start in Providence against the same Bruins team, and the Sound Tigers win again. Parker Wotherspoon scored the first goal for Bridgeport, and then in overtime, Grant Hutton with the game winner. Jared Carroll, 35 saves as the Sound Tigers improved to 4-4-0, against the Providence Bruins by sweeping this weekend series and getting great goaltending in both games. And that is vital for the success of this Sound Tigers team. 
Busy week coming up for the Sound Tigers with the President's Day holiday on Monday. This coming weekend, it'll be a Friday game at the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. That's a 7.05 start. Then Saturday, uh, February 15th, the Sound Tigers return home to Bridgeport to face the Wilkes-Barr Scranton Penguins. And on Monday, the President's Day holiday, a 3.05 afternoon game in Providence once again against the Providence Bruins. By the way, if you're planning ahead, uh, a week from today, that's Wednesday, February 19th, a weekday uh, evening game, the Sound Tigers will host the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. So if you want to get tickets Make sure you uh, check that out right now. If you look at the standings, the Sound Tigers starting to, at least things looking up a little bit. They are now 18-27-5, which ha puts them at 41 points, still seven points behind Lehigh Valley uh, if they want to get out of eighth place in the Atlantic Division, but you'll take that sweep and a lot of games coming up this weekend for the Sound Tigers. And they're doing all of this, by the way, without Kiefer Bellows, their leading scorer, who was, you know, called up and with the Islanders uh, over the weekend. Now, as far as the standings go, things very, very tight in the Metropolitan Division. Washington in first place, 77 points. Pittsburgh just three points behind them. Uh, the Islanders, 72 points. That puts them five points behind Washington. And yes, the Islanders still have that game in hand. Columbus, two points behind the Islanders, although the Islanders have two games in hand. And Philadelphia, three points behind the Islanders, with the Islanders having two games in hand. Carolina still in the, in the mix, five points behind the Islanders and they've played the same number of games. But how big a win was this one? Because had the Flyers won, they would have passed the Islanders in the standings, at least if they would have won in regulation. So I said on Twitter this afternoon that, you know, the win Monday night against Washington was a statement game, but they needed to come back and play well and beat Philadelphia to make that statement count. This team did it. They showed resiliency, bounced back from a bad second period, and got the job done. So a good start to this week for the Islanders, and it has to be because now a four-game road trip that will start Thursday night in Nashville, followed by a Saturday game in Las Vegas, and then Monday in Arizona, Wednesday in Colorado. So the Islanders heading west, and we will preview the game against Nashville on tomorrow's show. Plus, we'll have this date in Islanders history and a whole lot more. That's going to do it for our show today. I'm your host, Gil Martin. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.